previously on Searching for Ghosts. She said, Harold, you're the only one that can help, Larry. He's about to lose it. I'm afraid he's going to kill himself or hurt somebody. And the timeline isn't the only thing that stood out in those early newspaper articles. In that March 7th edition of the Jackson Sun, Johnny leaked some information that law enforcement wasn't ready to announce. I'm going to take my band down to uh, Mexico. You come down and get it. You can have it. It'd be yours. It's a nice band, Harold. You know, I guess just so many people were trying to get to us, and it was mostly media. And I don't understand why. But uh, law enforcement kept me from the media. They kept me hid from the media. Just as how Bethany Markowski is frozen in time at 11 years old in our minds, so are a lot of the reports about her disappearance. That's why I have fallen in love with the podcast medium. Podcasts allow us to revisit things from the past and clear the air of certain things that have been stated in print that were never updated after new information became available. Case in point, on March 7, 2001, the front page of the Jackson Sun stated, quote, Missing girls' parents suspect each other, unquote. This is the article where Johnny leaked to the media that Bethany wasn't seen on mall surveillance video. Johnny's sister Lori followed up with this statement concerning Larry Markowski. Quote, We're just trying to place her in Jackson so we can rule him out, Jackson said. Unquote. And this article is one of the few that I could find where Larry Markowski actually talked to the media. Quote, When told that his estranged wife thought he might know where Bethany is, Larry Markowski said, Well, I have some suspicions about her too. The only thing I know is that she came up missing, Larry Markowski said. If I was going to do something, why would I come back to Jackson? I had money in my pocket when we were in Arkansas. We could have just took off from there and never come back. Unquote. Jackson Police Chief Rick Staples had this to say about the situation. Quote, We are aware of the allegations that both of the girls' parents have made, and certainly we are taking them seriously. But we have not dismissed that she was abducted, as has been reported, unquote. In the same article, the reporter mentions the contentious divorce based on information given by Lori. She now wants to clarify. Bitter divorce or whatever. I don't really consider your divorce that kind of, you mm-hmm. know, you were escaping from an abusive type situation. I mean, he was bitter he was about trying, it. Well, he was. You were just trying to get away. Mm-hmm. It's not like you were arguing with him about anything. And you, you know, never argued with him because you got your ass whooped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mouth, speaking. my teeth, my nose broke, my jaw broke. When you search for Bethany on the missing persons website, the Charlie Project, this statement is one of the last things that you see. Quote, authorities said that they have not ruled out either of Bethany's parents as suspects in her disappearance. Investigators also said that it is possible Bethany was abducted by a stranger. Her case remains unsolved. Unquote. With Johnny being on the front lines fighting for Bethany for almost 17 years, coupled with what we've heard in Searching for Ghosts, it is my opinion that it is preposterous to consider her a suspect at this point. But I learned quickly in Season 1 to be careful with whom I placed my trust. Going into these things blindly, you never know who will come out of the woodwork. So I did my due diligence on Johnny as well when I started season two. She didn't ask me to do this, but I find it necessary to clear the air on this once and for all. 
In this episode, we will delve into the investigation of the disappearance of Bethany Markowski, and we will set the record straight. I'm Brandon Barnett, and this is Searching for Ghosts. Season 2, Where is Bethany Markowski? Johnny and Lori spent the week in Jackson after Bethany disappeared, hitting the ground running, posting flyers, and helping in any way that they could with law enforcement. I just recently discovered that a good friend of mine from Nashville, Randa Myers, crossed paths with Johnny and Lori that week. When I was in college, I worked at Logan's in Jackson. One night, I was standing in the front if you've been there there's a little walkway before you enter the restaurant some co-workers and I and my boss were standing out there and two women came in they had flyers I think they were yellow I don't remember Um, they were very nice very kind and they asked if we would pass out the flyers they were looking for a little girl that had gone missing at the mall I know my boss talked to them a little bit um I, looking back, did not appreciate the weight of what was happening or what they were telling us. I remember I was sad and hoped that they found her. And I remember we taped up those flyers, and I think we put some at the hostess stand. Every once in a while, I would Google her to see if she had been found, and I was shocked that she hadn't been found, but more shocked that there was never any news. There were never uh, really any updates about her. Evidently, Johnny had that instant likability factor even then, and soon built a rapport with Jackson police. So some tips and leads started coming in, and they were checking them out. And, and I feel like, because because I feel like I was so honest with the law enforcement, I feel like they were as honest as they could be with me. And they were sending me pictures of, of girls that, you know, they think could be Bethany and, you know, Some of them really did look like Bethany, and I would zoom in and and look at everything, the ears, the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the hair, the part, everything. And at that point, I could could have turned you into Bethany, a picture of you, you know, into Bethany because you want them so bad. And And Johnny had built such a relationship with law enforcement that they didn't mind being a little frank with her when she went a little overboard with the phone calls. The whole time that Lori and I were at in Jackson and we're staying in the hotel. Unfortunately for all the police officers, they gave me their cards. I did. Finally, Mike Holt said, stop calling us. (laughs) I'm like, well, call me. (laughs) You know, if, if I'm not hearing from you in my mind, you're out eating donuts somewhere. But he's like, we can't do our jobs if you're calling us every five minutes. Well, I wouldn't call you every five minutes because it took me 20 minutes to get back around to your card (laughs) from calling all the other people. Johnny would even call Mike Holt to give him information that she would receive from psychics. 
That's the most horrible thing in the world you could tell a parent. But my thing was I can't wait to get off the phone so I can call law enforcement. You know, and, and they were as nice as they could be. Mike Holt was a, a police officer at the time. He, he became captain, and he's either retiring soon or has already. And he's got a little girl, Bethany's age. But one of the things is, you know, he would, like I, this other woman called, and, and she, she was a psychic, and she was actually in the house with Bethany. You know, in the kitchen making a peanut butter sandwich. And the floor is like that old yellow or green linoleum. And now Bethany's walking in the living room. There's a big picture window. And she's sitting on the couch. And, oh, i got to leave because the guy's coming back. Of course, I called Mike Holt. And I said, she's in a white house in the country. She's eating a peanut butter sandwich on this couch. And he said, call the psychic back. Tell her to walk her ass out on the front porch and give us an address. And we'll go pick her up. <laughs> But as Johnny mentioned, because Holt has a daughter about the same age as Bethany, this case hit home with him. This this is a case that um, you know I, I carry with me. She, Bethany, and my daughter were about the same age, um, are about the same age, and um, you know you never want to leave one unsolved. But I, this is one that we uh, that I did. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm still hopeful that someday we'll, we'll get some answers. But just because Johnny had a relationship with the Jackson Police Department and the TBI, that didn't mean that she wasn't investigated. And don't think for one minute that we were not investigated, because we were for one minute. No, I mean for a couple of days. I think it was three days. Three days. Like we were. The, uh, the home phone was tapped. Yeah. The TBI was listening to that. And also, uh, Larry Jackson had a trip to Sweden pretty soon after Bethany disappeared. And, and, you know, we were living with them. And I think he was followed. Because one of the Larry Markowski's uh, things was he kept telling law enforcement that Lori and Larry Jackson are rich. And they own houses all over the place. They own one in Switzerland. Which we, Larry Jackson, still does works for a company, and as do I, based out of Sweden. So Larry was going to Sweden all the time. But I think once the TBI or whoever was following Larry on the airplane didn't go to Switzerland, maybe, you know. they. So we were investigated. But I was told that, you know, it didn't take very long to clear us because pretty much every single thing we told them almost to the minute was exactly what they found out when they ran all the the those the calls and everything, you know. And that was, yeah, that they did say that because we were watching the call so closely that day, you know, when all that happened. Because we knew something bad was going to happen. We could just tell, especially after that call she got that morning from Bethany. Yeah. We're like, oh, crap, what's getting ready to happen? And so that was one thing. because I had to write my statement out, and I wrote the exact minute because mm -hmm. we were watching the clock. And um, they said that when they got the cell phone, they were like, you were like, right, exactly, the minute. And I'm like, because we were watching. Yeah. We were paying attention. We want to make sure that we knew exactly, you know, the timeline. Yeah. We've been asked from listeners if Larry Markowski was given a polygraph test. According to Johnny, both she and Larry were polygraphed. So he took a polygraph. He took a polygraph. Um, he took a polygraph, and from what I've heard. From law enforcement. From law enforcement. He failed miserably. 
Out of all the questions that he was asked, there was only three that he got correct, and that was his name, his age, and who he was married to. I took the polygraph and was asked the same questions. Um, at one point, first of all, a polygraph will make you nervous anyway. But at one point, um, the guy, the guy doing the polygraph, had asked me. He said, "Have you lied to or deceived anyone in your family in the last six months?" And I said, "No." Then I immediately said yes, and I started crying. He unhooked me. We went, and I calmed down, had a soda, and he said, "Why did you just? What happened?" Because you said no, and it spiked, and, and you lost it. And he said, when I asked you that question, what happened to you? And I said, you asked me if I lied to or deceived anybody in six months, last six months in my family. I said, yes, I did. I did. I, li I lied to Bethany. I told her if she, he didn't bring her home, we would come and get her. So I calmed down. We went back in there and he hooked me back up. He said, other than what we had just discussed, thank you, have you lied to or deceived anybody in your family in the last six months? And I said, no. I got a certificate. <laughs> I'll have to get it out and show it to you for being um, one of the most non-deceptive people he'd ever polygraphed. I'll have to find that for you. Um. So given that so much of this podcast is built around Johnny's testimony, I would be remiss if I didn't ask a certain question to law enforcement. Here's retired TBI agent Jack Van Hooser that you've heard in previous episodes. When, when you look at the, say, the early Jackson Sun reports even, you know, the, the police were talking about how they didn't rule out either parent as a suspect, nor did they real, rule out uh, stranger danger. Do you have any... Uh, feeling now toward Johnny Carter as being a suspect, as far as you're concerned? In my mind, she's cleared. Okay. Retired Jackson Police Department investigator Mike Holt, do you have any, your opinion, uh, with Johnny Carter specifically, if, if there was any involvement by her? I don't believe so. Okay. I don't. I never had anything that indicated that. Um, that just uh, there was nothing at all in the case that indicated that Johnny was involved. Okay. So and, she and certainly, I think it would have come to light by now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if she had been. Yeah. Johnny is thankful that she hasn't had the experience with law enforcement and the media that others have had. But she does say that there were mistakes made. So extremely blessed because I've heard, I go to the Amber Alert conference and stuff, and we've heard so many horror stories from parents about how law enforcement treated them, how media twisted every word they said, and and we've, we haven't had anything like that in 16 years. We've, you know, law enforcement, the Jackson Police Department, and even the TBI, Bethany became their child. And we were so blessed in it being that, you know. Um, 
Were things mishandled? Yes. Things were done wrong, But it yes. was out of ignorance. It wasn't out of, you know, malicious. You right. know, they weren't trying to keep, you know, they, they right. weren't trying to not do their job. You know, I had TBI agents taking their vacations, their own personal vacations, and following Larry because he drove an 18-wheeler and sleeping in their cars, you know, their one car for two or three days, or dressing up like a pizza delivery guy so they could see inside his house. The whole town of Jackson was very supportive. They put us up in the hotel. Kinko's made all the flyers for free. And, I mean, everybody was real, I mean, because they'd already heard about it and everything. There's a lot of things that could have been done differently, but I don't know that Jackson at that time, you know, there was no Amber Alert. There was no training for, you know, first um, responders or anything like that at the time. That night, they had let him move his van a few times. and But one of the biggest things that stands out to Johnny is when and how the TBI got involved. Going back real quick to when uh, Bethany disappeared, she was reported missing on March the 4th. And the Jackson Police Department, I think they were overwhelmed and just really didn't know which direction to go to. And, I, and, and you know... I think they did the best they could. I think they thought it was a good idea to keep me out of the media and all this stuff. But one of the things that they didn't do is immediately contact the TVI. So I think it was like nine days into Bethany missing, uh, they had called the TVI and said, hey, could you run uh, some cell phone records for me? And they're like, yeah, sure, you know, what's up? And they said, well, we have a missing child. Well, why didn't you call us, you know? And then they, the TV And this fits in with when Jack Van Hooser says the TBI became involved in Bethany's case. In, any recollection of how, uh, when you, the TBI got involved after this happened? I'm thinking it was nine days okay. after her disappearance is when TBI first got involved in the case. Okay. And those nine days proved to be critical. And, uh, again, it had been about nine nine or ten days, and they had went and got um, Larry's van. And by the time they had picked it up, he had uh, taken the seats out of it and detailed and shampooed the carpets to the point that they were still damp, um, which I thought was a weird thing to do when your child's only been missing for nine or ten days. Johnny says that the TBI did find something in the van, but that it was explained away by Larry. I was told by Valerie Trout, Bethany's TBI agent, that once the TBI got involved, they did get uh, Larry Markowski's van, and they did a, a forensic spray on it. Um, they knew that they would find DNA in there, of course, of Bethany hair and fiber, because she was in the van. There was no reason for her DNA not to get in there. Um, there were a few things that they did pull out of the van that did have some blood spots on them, some little blood like splatter, little blood droppings and that was a blanket and a pillowcase. I know Valerie said that one of the questions they asked before they searched Larry Markowski's van is would there be any reason we would find Bethany's blood in the van? And he came across and said yes, that she had set on a thorn so that, um, ugh.
If you have any information about Bethany Markowski, no matter how small you think it is, call 1-800-THE-LOST. I would like to invite you to Lebanon, Tennessee on Sunday, March 4th, 2018. March 4th, as you know, is the date of Bethany Markowski's disappearance. And it is now recognized by the state of Tennessee as Tennessee Missing Children's Day. There will be a candlelight vigil and a balloon release to bring awareness to all missing children in Tennessee. There will also be free kids fingerprint kits for all children in attendance. I would love to see friends of both Casey and Bethany there, as well as anyone else who wants to bring awareness to Tennessee's missing sons and daughters. I will have a link with the full details in the show notes. Hey guys, Brandon here. Want to support Searching for Ghosts and look cool doing it? Well, now you can, and just in time for Christmas. The SFG store is up and running. We have three designs to choose from, including the quote-unquote shirt that I know the hardcore SFG fans will appreciate. We have multiple colors to choose from, t-shirts for men and women, and hoodies. I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. You can also find the store at the top of the Searching for Ghosts Facebook page. Your support will help us keep SFG going. Thanks, guys.